All right. And we like to laugh, as you can tell. Good. I love it. I told Mark when he called and and thank you guys again for the opportunity. But um, one of the first things Mark said was the irreverence. And I said to him at the end of the call, um, you know, paraphrasing Jerry Maguire, you had me at irreverence. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the three wise men of divorce, money, psych and law podcast. Sit down with the California divorce experts, financial divorce consultant Mark Hill, marriage and family therapist Pete Russos, and attorney Sean Weber for a frank and casual conversation about divorce, separation, co-parenting, and the difficult decisions real people like you face during these tough times. We know that if you are looking at divorce or separation, it can be scary and overwhelming. With combined experience of over 60 years of divorce and conflict management, We are here for you and look forward to helping by sharing our unique ideas, thoughts, and perspectives on divorce, separation, and co-parenting. Well, Mark, it's been a while since we've done this, hasn't it? (laughs) But we we have a new wise man for 2022. We'd like to welcome Pete Russos, marriage and family therapist extraordinaire. Thank you, guys. Absolute pleasure to be here. You know, and when I refer you, Pete, I always make a point of pointing out to people that you are also a sex therapist. Yes. That makes yes. it especially exciting <laughs> for my clients, especially when you're getting divorced. A, a, a certified sex therapist, <laughs> which is different from a certifiable sex therapist. I was going to say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but actually, that's interesting because, I mean, a lot of the work that we do, I mean, I we had a colleague, a mutual friend years ago that she used to say, um, uh, our business is the only one where a hundred percent of our clients have had a sexual relationship with one another. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of an interesting concept, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you can't understate or overstate how important that relationship is and then how they're then interacting when they're considering a breakup. It is so vitally important. I think on so many different levels. Um, and so, and, and I'm a, a couples therapy specialist. My practice is two thirds to three couples or three quarters couples work and sex and, and intimacy dynamics is at the very core of it. Absolutely. And and we've known you forever since the dinosaurs roamed the earth. I think we've been working <laughs> yeah. with you and, and Mark and 20 years guys. Has yeah. it really been that long? Yeah. 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 That's great. That's yeah. great. I've always enjoyed working with you. And well, full disclosure, place. full disclosure, Peter Russo's is the real guitarist in the band that I play in. I just sort of play a guitarist on TV compared to Peter. So, <laughs> no, I, you know, the, the, the for me, that you, you might use the four letters L E A D, uh, but it's really pronounced lead in my, uh, in terms of my playing. So, you play lead guitar. I play lead guitar. Absolutely. You know, Mark, before we got on here, you were talking about how I am not a musician, but I want you to know that I played the trombone in high school. We would love a horn section. We need, absolutely. <laughs> Come on in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We could do that. We could do that. You know, my daughter, Macy, used to be in a group called Bonafide Brass. She's a trombone player. <laughs> and it was a trombone choir, essentially. It was all these old men, these retired music teachers, and then my 14-year-old daughter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sean, I have heard from experienced musicians that the trombone is is maybe the most difficult instrument to learn how to play. Well, I, I think that's probably close to true. I, mm-hmm. I think w- w- the thing about the trombone is there's no excuse to be out of tune unless you don't have any intonation. And then everybody mm-hmm. knows it because you have mm-hmm. to be able to have an ear to be able to hear, is that slide in the right place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But anyway... Well, I, okay. So glad to have you here. So, so something we've been thinking about um, in the last couple of weeks, you know, this is divorce season. I always joke the beginning of the year is divorce mm-hmm. season. And this is when people are making their new year's resolutions to leave their spouse, you know? And, and so we, we in the divorce industry get a lot of business. And then I've got a lot of cases right now where people are at the very beginning stages and, and, I've always said the most dangerous time for a divorce is like the first two weeks after Mm -hmm. people realize they need one because people don't know what the new boundaries are. They don't know what lane to drive in. It's just kind of anarchy until we can get them into a process where we can help them have boundaries and figure some things out. But I, I was wondering what you guys thought of that. Well, I think people are very fearful when it starts and they, um, can be pushed in, can feel pushed into a corner where I must have a strong attorney to defend my rights because he just filed for divorce or she just filed for divorce. And the reaction can be to take all the money and put it in a separate account or um, take the children uh, uh, off to mothers or something like that. And that's always bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that never ends well but it comes from fear. And people tend when they don't, as you say, Sean, they're not in a process. What they tend to do is they tend to look for help. And they often will go to their divorced friends who may not be the right place to get your divorce advice uh, because they will, it will be filtered through their own experience. And most people go through a litigated experience that um, can result in uh, the kind of things I just talked about occurring um, and sometimes are driven by the attorneys, unfortunately. I'm curious for the, the two of you. I mean, this is just my anecdotal sense, and I'm curious how this lines up with, with your experience and your practices, but that it is a very, very rare situation when both partners want the divorce, that there is way more frequently uh, mm-hmm. somebody who wants it and the other who doesn't. And, and I... I bring that up because of what that means in terms of that experience of rejection and failure and how that amplifies tensions. But I'm curious if that's also what you guys see in your practice. Oh, absolutely. I I would say most of the cases, there's somebody that didn't want this. Yeah. And somebody who's, who's wanted this for a while and has just gotten up the courage to say something. And is way further ahead in terms of their adjustment. You know, we call it the the leave or leave situation. And, and, We've talked about it before on this program, but, you know, you have those Kubler-Ross stages of grief, hmm. you know, the, the, the initial uh, denial and bargaining and anger and depression. Yeah. And then finally they get through this process of getting to an acceptance. And what happens is you might have the Levor who's gone through all of the stages and is at, at acceptance and is really at peace with the fact that there's a divorce. And then the spouse is just hearing about this and they're all over the map and they don't know what to do with this information. And so it can make those first few weeks really kind of crazy for everybody because Mm -hmm. 
the leave or is just like bouncing between terror and rage and denial and everything else and trying to save the marriage. They're desperate to save the marriage. And so they'll act in ways that are unhelpful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm always coaching the leave or calm down slower is faster. You know, we'll, we'll get there, but if right. it's like my dog Hoosier, he's this little puggle. Mm. And, and when I first, we first got him as a puppy, we put a leash on to take him for a walk and I pulled on his leash and he just sat down and wouldn't go or he would pull the other direction. And I think that's what the Levy will do when we pull on them, you know, because they, they won't, they will go the direction they're willing to go when they're willing Mm -hmm. to go. Mm -hmm. I've also, yeah, go ahead. Well, I've also seen revisionist thinking throughout a case too, where yeah. some they come in and they go, yes, we both want the divorce. And then as you go through the process, you find out one really doesn't want the divorce and they're not at the same stage they told you at the outset. And when you discuss it with them, they don't really have a good memory of saying that they were ready, you know? Well, I've seen people switch. I've seen people start out as the one that wanted to leave and, and or maybe they... Uh, it's a, a, a general word of advice. Don't file for divorce as a way to get your spouse's attention. <laughs> right. Because they may take you up on it, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, I've seen that happen where people file for the divorce or, or, or threaten the divorce thinking that it'll get somebody's attention. And they're like, oh, hey, you know what? This idea of getting divorced is pretty good. And then now you don't want the divorce and try to save the marriage, but it's too late. You've done enough damage. I, Sean, I want to ask you, I'm curious. Um, this maybe jumping ahead a little bit, but if this is the most dangerous time, what's the second most? It seems like there's also that moment, I think, of panic and finality as the negotiations are concluded or things mm-hmm. are getting ready to be finalized. The week and, they signed the MSA. Yeah, yeah. The week they signed the marital settlement agreement and, and mm-hmm. signed their papers to finalize this and they realize, oh, this is really over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you see you see all kinds of weird behavior that week too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you can engage the clients along the way, so that it's a process, not an event. Mm-hmm. In other words, um, and normalize it, and to say things like, you know, you're going to be probably experience these kind of feelings at this stage, and it's totally normal. That's what everyone does. Don't beat yourself up about it. And that's the beauty of having the resources of the three different areas, the financial, the emotional, and the legal. Yep. Well, I think um, at the beginning, too, I think people are smart if they get into a process or get with a a professional as soon as possible, even if they think everything's going to be fine. Get some advice early so that we can help you because we've seen this movie before, you know? Right, right, right. I, I just finished with a this couple I was talking to you about earlier. They were um, they had a really horrible first week, you know, and uh, they're cohabiting still. And there was a little bit of violence that had happened between mm-hmm. them. It was kind of situational violence. I don't think this is a pattern that's going to be ongoing. But somebody mm-hmm. threw a hairbrush, and then somebody got mad, puts a fist through a wall, and. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, those are the moments where the, the police might get called and then the whole case could go really south from there. But we had a mediation session where we just spent the entire time setting boundaries. Okay, so which part of the house is your part of the house? Can I come into your bedroom without your permission? Um, you know, what, what are we doing about even silly things like 
which side of the fridge is whose, you know, just kind of setting the boundaries so that people are building this new muscle of now we're single people as opposed to married people where we shared everything. We're single people. Now we're, our boundaries have to be respected. And that's a new thing for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I I think you, you, in some ways you, you, you can't be too detailed or said differently. If you're going to err to err on the side of being over detailed in terms of defining the structure, what are the rules of engagement? I always um, say that when we are crafting, you know, we can craft a marital settlement agreement to be as detailed as you think you want, or we can craft it as detailed as we think it's going to need to be. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the latter is better <laughs> because you may need something will come up at some point where you're going to go back and look at that document and you might not like what you sign. But the chances are, if you've signed it, you will comply with it mm-hmm. because you agreed to it at the time. Uh, so more detail is better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think another piece of advice that I would give folks is don't make major changes in the first weeks. Sometimes people are like, they want to go cancel insurance policies and they want to sell cars and they want to put their house on the market and they want to do this and that. But I mean, Mark, you've said this before on financial issues. Why wouldn't you want to make major changes? Well, because A, there's going to be restraining orders coming up here, number one, (laughs) as soon as it's filed that says you can't do that. And number two, it'll probably have the reverse impact that you hope. In other words, if you think I'm going to change the beneficiary on my retirement account because I won't be married to her anymore, that's probably not going to make her feel very good and trusting of you. And trust is important because we have to foster that concept that they can each trust what each or other are saying, because this is a voluntary process that we enter. Yes, you're fine signing forms under the penalty of perjury, and you better be forthright and honest with what you're giving us in terms of numbers. But it's still a voluntary process that they're both engaging in. And you want to make sure that you don't increase the level of distrust that may be existing that's causing the divorce. But I don't I don't want to spend more money on her health insurance. We're getting divorced. She should get her own health insurance. What would you say to that person? I would say go talk to Sean. He's a lawyer. <laughs> he will explain the issues that you yeah. may be facing around that. Literally, I would, you know. Well, so, also, so, counselor, what does that mean if you did that? Right. Well, there's also the issue of, um, you know, what what would happen if to this to your case, it would actually cost more if you do things that freak the other person out. Yeah. No, you know, absolutely. Person yeah. doesn't feel good to have their insurance pulled out from under them. And and then my advice to that person was make no major changes because you owe fiduciary duties to the other spouse, similar to what you would owe a business partner. And so, and, and the court takes the fiduciary duty as serious as a heart attack. So you don't want to do major things without the other person's participation because surprise is the enemy of peace. You know, if you, if you shock somebody with some shot across the bow or some major change, it's going to cause people to react and sometimes overreact. And mm-hmm. any shot you had at having a divorce that was less than six figures starts going down the tube. You know. I think I, you know, I think one of the challenges too that you know the dynamics that drove the, the dysfunction and the disconnection between uh, partners is is almost always are almost always amplified 
when they're navigating separation and divorce. And I think that that if they're going to find their way to treating each other at the very least more respectfully and more appropriately, thinking in terms of fairness, they've, they've got to be willing to aspire to that, you know, to realize they can't be reactive in from that place of hurt, because if they do that, it is just going to be destructive. So when I you know hear the question of of somebody grappling with whether or not they want to support the other person's uh, health care insurance. The thing that I would wonder about is, so so why is it good for your children, for example, if your soon-to-be ex-spouse sees, you, you know, doesn't have health insurance? How What is the greater good that you want to commit yourself and, and, and work towards with each other? Bringing it back to this idea of there are going to be a bunch of sacrifices that are, have to be made. How do you do that fairly? But if they're not willing to aspire beyond the present moment and the present hurt, those are the couples that will struggle and will have the more expensive divorces. Absolutely. Yeah. And expense is almost exponential when you get into litigation. And the most expensive divorces are failed mediations or collaborative cases, frankly, Mm -hmm. because they've already, it can be really expensive. So uh, again, revisiting the concept of did we have a mission statement here? What what are our you know what's yeah. our highest and best intentions as we enter this process? Something we can take the clients back to, to say, tell me how what's going on right now fits with what you told me three months mm-hmm. ago. Well, and, and, and it, thank you, thank you for bringing that up because the mission statement can really be important at the beginning mm-hmm. of the case, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like to spend time yeah. talking about what are these governing values? What are these just no-brainer values that everybody agrees to that we can write down and and then come back to? It, it becomes a decision-making paradigm as we're going mm-hmm. forward. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and these are no-brainer things like we both want our kids to be healthy. You know, I haven't talked to anybody that wants their kids to be unhealthy. <laughs> right. Right. Or, or we want to have a mutually respectful divorce or, or whatever their particular value is. And then just come back to it. Was it mutually respectful to cut your wife off of the insurance policy? Yeah. It, it's uh, there's a, there's a concept that I use all the time with, with clients, whether I'm working in therapy or if I'm working in when I was doing collaborative work or working in terms of mediation support and the guy that developed the psychotherapeutic model that I work from developed it. And it's what he refers to as a two choice dilemma. And this is a situation that happens to us all the time in life where we've got the situation And in response to it, we've got two choices that are available to us. And the dilemma is that we want different choices than the ones that are available to us, (laughs) or we want both of the choices. And so a common one, I think, in divorce cases is where we want to, to protect ourselves and do that in a way that the other person will experience as harsh, while at the same time, we want the other person to be considerate towards us. Or we want the other person to be fair. And you just can't put the two together. And so the dilemma is the person's got to decide which of those choices is more likely to lead to something positive. And, you know, it never works. It's certainly not in what are supposed to be egalitarian relationships. If we expect the other person to do something or to accept something that we ourselves are not willing to do or accept in return. It goes back to that the idea if you have a proposal... We presume it has value for you, yeah. but what value will it have for your spouse? 
And what yeah. value does it have for the family? Because you're still going to be, yeah. if you have children, you're a family, you're reformed, but you're still a family. Yeah. Well, and there's different kinds of defense. You know, some people have a defense where they kind of put a wall up or they they put up things, boundaries to protect themselves. And then there's the people like a good defense is a good offense. Yeah. <laughs> and and they want to, you know, strike first because they're frightened. They strike. Out. Yeah. 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 And 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 a lot of these I mean, you mentioned it earlier, Pete, a lot of this is so fear driven. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know what's coming. And, and I've seen people that. You would think it really got their acts together, you know, uh, uh, CEOs that run big companies absolutely freak out and then do these kind of fight or flight kind of things. And so you can either flee into your own little shell or you can lash out. And it's the lashing out that we're really worried about, although the fleeing into your own shell isn't particularly helpful either, is mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it, it is. Uh, and also, I think that there are these these aspects of behavior you know it's true the people we love the most are the ones that see the parts of us that are are at times least healthy darkest whatever um and so even what you're describing how striking it is that um you know the way that the partners will behave towards each other in ways that they would never treat anybody else so it's it and i say that because if you take a titan of industry And you think about their capacity to make business decisions and to manage themselves in difficult situations in the service of a business goal and objective who struggle to do that um, in their family relationships. You know, there's a number of ways where I think people give themselves. um, Well, I'll just speak for themselves, where I allow myself to behave in a way that I wouldn't want you know, other people to say, I think we all do that. We do that as a species. And it's a willingness, I think, to really confront ourselves and to face those kinds of choice dilemmas that determines the extent to which, in this context that we're talking about, people are going to be able to have a healthy divorce process, a respect-based divorce process that sets the stage for them to be lifelong, healthy and appropriate and collaborative co-parents. You know, I liken it to basically the difference between how people behave driving cars and walking as a pedestrian. It's that, <laughs> it's that sort of boundary around you that allows you to be a jerk, yeah. <laughs> which you would yeah, never do yeah. walking on the street. And it's sure, kind I of call, like, I call them the, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Mark. I didn't mean to talk. Over no, you. go ahead. I was done. So. I will. There's, there, there's the keyboard commandos. They, they, they get on, <laughs> they're really good at getting on Facebook and, and beating somebody into a bloody pulp over a political issue, but they would never talk to like that yeah. to somebody in person. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, and so, you know, not overreacting to things. That is probably an important thing to really be mindful of. Just take a moment when something weird happens that you're not expecting and you get a curveball that frightens mm-hmm. you. I always tell people you're not a computer. It doesn't mean that when somebody pushes your button, you have to act in a certain way. We have this ability between, you know, stimulus and reaction to govern our thoughts. That's what separates us from the animals, right? And so we can do that in our divorce case. So when this stimulus happens, it kind of scares us or frightens us or makes us angry. Um, the overreaction a lot of times makes it so much worse. And also I think, when you're faced with the divorce, 
is trying to think strategically in terms of what resources am I going to need to get through this, as opposed to defensively, and I need someone to fight for me and protect me. Wait a minute, let's think this through. What resources am I going to need to be able to go through this, continue to have some kind of relationship with my soon-to-be ex so that I can be a decent co-parent with them? Because that's, I mean, I've said for years that I use the children relentlessly in, in this process. I mean, you know, the one thing the kids agree on uh, is, sorry, the parents agree on is that they love their kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as Sean has told, I think more than one time, judges don't love your kids like you do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Judge said to me, I, I, I don't love your kids. That's what he said to my clients but yet you're asking me to make a decision about your children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and that's the truth. I mean, mm-hmm. you want to get into the meat grinder of the courthouse, do that, but think about what, what reaction your kids will have, what experience they will have, what experience you will have, you know, you know, and I think, Sean, when you talk about that initial two-week period, that is is definitely, I think, the potential to be a way more reactive time. Um, the, I think the overarching, most important objective is that they're working together to turn the temperature down. And in a practical sense, what that can often mean is that they have to create more separation within the mm-hmm. home, that they're steering clear of certain subjects. Um, the absolute importance of both parties doing what they can vis-a-vis healthy self-care, exercise, uh, you know, diet, mm-hmm. sleep, the avoidance of, of alcohol and substances. Those are the things that, that absolutely pose additional risk factors. And then I think setting basic ground rules about what they're going to talk about and how they're going to talk about in this interim mm-hmm. time while things are being put in place and, you know, movement towards the the resolving of issues like temporary support, that kind of thing. But often it means really trying to create more separation while being under the same roof. Well, Mark, you and I had a case where we would beg them not to talk about the case. Yep. And then they would get in a car and drive together somewhere. And they would, by the time they got out of that car at destination, she's having to call an Uber because she's not going to ride with him anymore. This jerk. And, and he's furious. She dropped him off on the side of the freeway once. You remember (laughs) on the way to an appointment with the teenage son who was having challenges, you know, Mm. I I do remember. she literally dumped him on the freeway, said, get Get out out of the car. (laughs) Um, Mm. And and it's, uh, it's, it is difficult when you haven't have had an intimate relationship with someone yeah. uh, not to feel that it's appropriate to bring up anything you want to talk about, mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. but it's not productive. And, no. and, and again, I, I say to people, you've hired me or us to do this work. And now you're not going to use that resource you're paying for, for that. Where, where's the sense in that? You know, where's mm-hmm. the value in that? Well, I think a lot or, of it is. Go ahead, Pete. Sorry. No, no. Or, or they they end up paying us and paying more because they want us to clean up the mess. Yes. Yep. Yep. And um, you know the idea that people people sometimes coming in come in. Obviously, everyone comes in with their own story of the marriage. Yeah. Okay, which is going to be different. You know, um, we always say there's three stories. There's her story, his story, and what really happened. And we don't know what's mm-hmm. true out of the three of them. 
Um, but the idea that you can get in front of a court, in front of a judge, and tell your story, and the judge will understand what an awful person the other is and give you everything. The truth of the matter is that judges see two warring parties who can't divide the furniture, and they used to be able to make babies. And there's not a lot of sympathy there. And that's a surprise to people, I think, when they consider because they have a, a TV view of what happens in court. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the chances of you having that that TV experience, I think a lot of people are really unrealistic about what happens at court. Yeah. And if you ever want to, you know, if you're contemplating divorce, it's a you, you might want to just go to the courthouse and watch what happens at the family court. And you'll see that there is no justice there. This is not a place where anybody cares about your situation at all. You're just one of the hordes, one of the masses of people that are there to take the time of the judge and the clerks. And um, um, you'll see that 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 venue is not something that's going to bring you relief. If you want relief, then get with some professionals that know how to help you have a constructive dialogue. So this becomes, you know, as the adage says, this is a problem to be solved as opposed to a battle to be fought. Hmm. And then and then you can get to a place. And it, and it comes back to the thing that Mark and I've talked about before, and that is that you know, you, what kind of divorce story do you want to come out of this with? Like what story do you want your children telling about how it was when you got divorced? Cause we hear about both. We, I have the children coming into my office and hiring me for their divorce mm-hmm. and they'll say to me, Oh my gosh, I don't want to be like my parents' divorce was, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or occasionally I get that person says, you know, our, my parents got divorced when I was young, but, but boy, they, they sure put their kids first. And I, I knew there was a battle, but I, I didn't know necessarily what it was. I knew there was some, some discussion and some disagreement, but uh, I always knew that my parents loved me. And that was the most important thing. Mm-hmm. My son literally said that to me when I had the courage, when he was 19 to ask him. So what was it like growing up for you? Well, you and mom are so different. I can't imagine you guys ever being together. But I never heard either one of you say a bad word about the other, and I knew you both loved me. I mean, it still touches me that, boy, and so we did good. We did a good job somehow. And it was hard, and it was difficult at times, I'm sure, for her, as it certainly was for me. But we put him first. We put him in the, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, how will this affect him before we think about how it affects us, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Mark, because yeah. I can tell that sounds really emotional yeah. to you. It, I mean, really important. Yeah. I mean, and that was, he's 40, 40 years old now. So that was 21 years ago. That's a good divorce story. It, and yeah. so, and, and, and I think people that are listening to this at home that maybe are in those first two weeks and are feeling hopeless or scared or in a, in a dark hole, that, that there is a way out. Yeah. That there is a, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I get it. You got to get through the tunnel, but um, there is a way to do this. And, and and you can get out okay on the other side. I wanted to ask you both, and, and this may be something that you have talked about in other podcasts, but you know, part of what we're talking about is how people prepare themselves. If they've made the decision to divorce, how do they prepare themselves? And really, I think of it in terms of how do they prepare themselves to manage their fear, their hurt, their disappointment, 
so that they can engage in, a, in an appropriate and, and really mission statement focused way, if you will, to get well, to that healthy side. One of the first things I'll advise them to do is to call Peter Russo's and, <laughs> and, 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 and get some, you know, meet with a mental health professional who can coach you through this so that you can prepare yourself and bring your best self to the table. Well, I mean, Sean, I, I appreciate you saying that. And, and I, but I want to tell you just a conversation that I have with people who are coming to me for yeah. marital therapy. And, and mm. I tell them straight up that I think that I think that they are healthy and and I do a lot of work uh, with couples who are at the very, very end of their ropes, who have been in couples therapy before, feel like it didn't help them. Um, and the conversation I like to have with them, I think is important to have with them, is that I do believe that there are healthy and valid reasons to divorce. And I also believe that most divorces happen before the couple has done the kind of work that I think is necessary for marital partners to really understand why they're struggling and to understand what the potential mm. for change is between them so that they can make a more fully informed decision about whether or not the marriage can be what they want it to be. Um, and that if that work hasn't happened, I think that it is really important that it happened, particularly if kids are involved. That's my my bias. Well, and that can happen as part of the divorce, right? You can have Absolutely. a conversation about, well, how can I now, because your family's not ending. We've said that before. Right. These people right. are all still here. So how can I have a productive relationship with this person? Right. And, right. and um uh, so that I can have a, a productive exit from the relationship or a change of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I think a lot of the skills that you probably teach them as part of their marriage counseling are skills that they can have in their divorce process. In fact, I can always tell when somebody comes into a mediation where they've been to marriage or marriage therapy mm. or couples counseling because they use they use skills that they've learned, mm. you know, they, they see each other and they listen to each other and they repeat what the other person has said and they try mm -hmm. to show empathy. And that makes a huge difference yeah. mm -hmm. when I'm mediating with somebody, because they can take a moment and they can be a little more mindful of their own reactions and they can take a moment and say, okay, yeah, well, what I'm trying to say is this. And I see yeah. where you were coming from. And I'm like, I'm always glad when that happens and because they've had some preparation. Well, and, and when I hear you, you know, talking about those kinds of, of couples, they sound to me like couples who, who maybe it's 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 arriving at a painful decision. I think that the decision to divorce is is almost always, if not always, a painful decision. In fact, I would say in the going on twenty nine years that I've been in practice, I've had one case with a couple that I worked with. It was, in fact, it was a collaborative divorce case where one of the partners had absolutely no ambivalence whatsoever. <laughs> and that was pathological. Mm. I mean, it really bespoke what was going on in terms of their dynamics within the relationship. I think that, that what you're talking about are couples that sounds like they, they made the investment in therapy and then they face the reality that they can't have the kind of marital relationship that they want to have that that and maybe it was one of them reaching that conclusion, but it was a less reactive decision because they did some of that work. Yeah. So so I think going to therapy before you get the divorce is a good idea, because okay. number even if it's just individual counseling, because mm -hmm. you can you can tell well, what are the patterns in my own personal behavior that got me in trouble here so that you can then kind of avoid pitfalls as you get into the what is an emotional drama 
when you get into the divorce and you have to talk to your spouse about it. Um, I, I also, go ahead. Yeah, but part of, I'm curious for the two of you. Part of, you know, I was struck by the way you said it, and, and and wish that there was more of this. People literally going to observe a court process in mm-hmm. family court. Yeah. How do people appropriately inform themselves of what they should expect financially uh, and within the legal, the family law framework? What would you love to see if you could, you know, if you could you could ordain? what it is that people need to do in order to get the, a license to divorce. What would, what would those requirements <laughs> oh, that's, be? That's, that's really good stuff. I, I think number one, I would, I, I mentioned the therapy. Number yeah. two would be looking at the financial picture. So you have absolute clarity about what happens um, when you get divorced, you know, and that, and, and I'd love sending people to Mark and, and people could sit down with Mark and, and he could, he could show that this is what the pie is. And, and this is what will happen. Um, most likely if there's a divorce and this is the pain that you will suffer as a result of, of these decisions. And, and here's some things that you need to think about if it is going to be a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can also meet with someone like me and get the legal advice. This is what will happen legally. This is what will happen with your money legally. Yes, that's that thing you thought that was your separate property is not your separate property, according to the law, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. And all those expenses you write off on your business are not going to be treated that way for income mm-hmm. uh, right. available for support. I mean, it's little right. things like that where people have misconceptions quite reasonably because if you have a business, some people put their grocery bills on there, which may not be right, but if they can get away with it with their accountant, they'll do it. That's not going to fly when we're working out you right. know, how to do how to dispense income. Or or having the clarity that if you get divorced, you will have a reduction in your standard of living. Two houses cost more than one. Right. There's no way around it. No way around it. Mathematically no. impossible for it to go any other way. Yeah. And so and I can run support numbers for people. I can let them see this is if you, if a judge were to decide this, this is probably what your support would be. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that that kind of mindful planning and thinking about where I'm headed. I have seen people decide, oh, well, I don't want to do this. Reality <laughs> test. Yeah. It's really reality. Right. Or, yeah. or understanding that you're going to divide your retirement in half. Mm-hmm. That's sobering when you realize that your retirement is split and divided by two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. You earned this. You worked your whole life to contribute to this. And yes, you're going to have to divide it in half with the person you're mad at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And that business you worked in for 28 years and you built up to that, not only do you have to pay your spouse <laughs> for half of the value, but now the income is that you derive from it is going to be shared too. And, and can I just add one more piece to this? And that is to learn how to be mindful. Yeah. Learn how to be present. And, and what I mean by that is, being able to observe yourself and your own reactions in a, in a dispassionate way so that you can logically assess how you're behaving and how you're reacting with other people. If you can do that, that will take you a very long way in the divorce process towards having a peaceful resolution as opposed to the warfare. And think in terms of outcome. What's yeah. the outcome I would like to see? Is everything I'm doing going to give me the best chance of getting or approaching that outcome. And if people can think that way, it often stops them from the self-destructive behavior we all see all the time. 
I, I heard it said this was many years ago at a training, and it was a couples therapy training, and the presenter was talking about uh, helping people to, to learn how to be curious rather than furious. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. Oh, I had a couple today like this. Like he asked a legitimate question um, about a proposal that she was making. And she was furious at the question. How dare you ask that? And mm-hmm. I said, well, hang on a moment. Is there an answer to the question? <laughs> you know, let's st- stop a moment. Okay. I get it that you're, pissed that he's not just okay with this but he had a question what's your answer you know and then so when she took a moment to kind of dispassionately think about what the answer was um she actually withdrew her proposal and so how would that have worked if they'd been having that discussion over the kitchen table (laughs) somebody would have flipped the table i don't know well exactly that's my point is that you Find the resources to help you through this because it's not easy. I do tell people, I'm like, you fight well, but I want you to know I'm a professional. (laughs) And I can help you fight in a way that is productive. (laughs) My job is to help you resolve your conflict and find a pathway forward, you know. Mm Get into that world you're experiencing so you can find a pathway. Mm-hmm. Well, we've been talking a long time, and I, I feel like we can keep going. Uh, there's, you know, we started with, oh, my gosh, the terror of the first two weeks. And then we really got into almost a Zen discussion about what can you do with your attitudes and with, you know, in preparation to make sure that this process is, is going to tell a good divorce story for you. The outcome can be positive. You know, as you you said that, Sean, I was thinking about just even the importance of being able to normalize for people. Look, these these next couple of weeks are going to be really tough. You Mm -hmm. know, plan on that, prepare for that. Know that that's normal. And if it if it if it's less difficult than you anticipate, wonderful. But this is all about setting the foundation for a process going forward that is respect based, that is appropriate, that is really guided by an aspiration for a lifelong relationship with each other post-divorce. But to normalize that, it's, it's going to be hard. Yep. It always is. And normalize the fact that financially it's going to be hard. <laughs> In yeah. other words, uh, it, it, that, you know, might take two to five years to recover from a divorce financially. And candidly, if you're at a certain point in life, you may never recover. And you may have to change your expectations dramatically. And I always say to people when they don't like the numbers, I'm sorry, I just can't make them do anything different. The numbers are what they are. So I've been taking some notes while I've been talking and I've got some takeaways. Okay. So just to kind of summarize where we've been. So when you find out that the divorce is going to happen and get into those first few moments, the first thing is don't overreact, right? Don't panic. Then don't make major changes until you've talked to professionals and figured it out, get advice early rather than waiting for things to go badly and then get advice and be prepared to set boundaries. You know, like that Robert Frost poem, fences make better neighbors. So be ready to, to build a fence that is going to be useful and, and set a boundary. And then the last thing, if you got kids, put your kids first. Did I miss anything? I think it's a good summary. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Somebody write that down. Okay. 
So let me ask Pete, you know, if people um, want to talk to someone about emotionally preparing themselves for a divorce or for a relationship ending, who should they call? Well, uh, off the top of my head, Sean, (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, you know, this is something that, that, that I love to try to help people with. And, And quite honestly, my hope is, that I get to see them before they reach that point. But this is certainly, um, I, I absolutely believe that it, it's in life's toughest circumstances where the greatest growth opportunities are. So if people are contemplating a divorce and they'd like to talk to somebody about what that means and what it's going to take from them and for them in order to have it be a growth opportunity and respect-based and appropriate, I would be happy to talk with them about that. They can certainly reach me by my website, which is peterrussos.com. Got a lot of information there about my background and my approach. A couple of uh, the videos of interviews that that I've done, and um, they can email me directly from my website. So that's Peter Russos, Peter like it sounds, and then Russos, R-O-U-S-S-O-S. Yeah, just, uh, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. PeterRussos.com. There you have yeah, it. Yeah. And Mark, they're worried about their money and preparing for this big major event. What should they do? Go to my website. Uh, company is Pacific Divorce Management, LLC. My website is packdivorce.com, P-A-C-D-I-V-O-R-C-E.com. And our contact form is now working well, it's about time. It's about time. That's what I said to my tech guy. It's about time, but it is working now. So please fill out a contact form and we will respond within the next business day. And if you need to work, worry about the legal or if you just have a dispute that needs resolving, uh, my website is WeberDisputeResolution.com. We're in the business of connecting people with a mediator that can help them resolve their dispute so that they don't have to have a fight. They can solve a problem. Again, that's WeberDisputeResolution.com. And that's Weber with one B like the grill. That's right. Or yeah. the bread. People huh. come at me with bread a lot. Really? Okay. I didn't even know there was a Weber I didn't bread until I moved so. to San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this was fun. Pete, welcome aboard. Oh, thank you, guys. This was a lot of fun. I really uh, appreciate being able to share the time with you. Thank you. All right. And, and those of you in podcast land, thanks for listening. And if you liked what you heard, please tell someone and give us a like. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Three Wisemen of Divorce, Money, Psych, and Law. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and share with others who may be in a similar place. Until next time, stay safe, healthy, and focused on a positive, bright future. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Every family law case is unique, so no legal, financial, or mental health advice is intended during this podcast. If you need help with your specific situation, feel free to schedule a time to speak with one of us for a personal consultation.